down in Mexico the first time, it was just like the sustaining song. You shared this with a lot of people too, didn't you? Like you would tell them, listen to this. There were people down there that you would talk to. And um, it's, um, I finally got around right at New Year's Eve, um, the couple days before I, I had learned the song. And man, I could hardly, once, uh, one, once I started learning it and could see all the words, like I could hardly get through uh, some of the, um, the chorus without crying. Like it, it just was so, um, it was so impactful. And uh, the guys did such a good job playing it too. It was really good. So um, that's going to be a great, great song for us. Turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, four, three, three, one, and eight. I'm going to pick up where I left off two weeks ago. Um, and we were talking about true liberty, and I want to wrap that up today share some more thoughts and um, I had taken the time to, to speak and share through the whole chapter, chapter three, and um, it talks about how if the ministry of condemnation came with a glory, it was glorious, how much more the ministry of the spirit with which would, would have more glory. And in, in verse nine, it said, how much more does does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? And um, after that message, um, I heard different men talking about, I think Robin Bullock just began in his, one of his messages, began sharing about glory, the impact of glory that in the uh, Azusa Street Revival, hey, visitors, <laughs> pregnant visitors. Good to see you, Samuel and Katrina are here from the far south. We're the far east, and you're from the far, you're the far south. All, all, you know, Ohio, of course. So good to see you guys. Um, lost my train of thought. See you distract, great distractions. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. It's like babies that are dressed up. What's that? Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, the ministry of condemnation, referring to the law, how much more the ministry of the Spirit. And I got to verse 17 was one of the key verses. I was talking about the ability to see everything about your Christian walk has to do with revelation. Anytime you bump in, and you will bump into these people that are Christians technically, but if their faith is not based on revelation and is just head knowledge. And you, there's a feel. There, something's off. They're saying all the right things. I call it my term this uh, formula Christianity. Well, I did this, 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 and therefore I'm a this, you know. And it is, you are if you are. But you're not if you're not. And we cannot afford to have a formula about this and then walk around unchanged, unimpacted, no glory on us or in us and, and claim to be part of this glorious revelation ministry. 
There needs to be an effect. There's a cause, which is Jesus and believing in him. There's an effect. You should be a changed person. You should be different. If you're not, go back and get a refund. Go back and re-up like we have to do that all the time with our computers, the sound system, whatever. We're always fussing with things. We turn it all on the same way we do every week and things are not right. So we go, well, let's start here. Shut it down, turn it back on. It's amazing how often that works. Or your computer or your iPhone, when's the last time you shut it totally off and let it reboot. And so don't be afraid to do that at any time, especially when you've lost your sight, when you can't see, when you can't perceive revelation. And don't uh, contend for that. I'll just say that. Contend for it. If, you're, if you don't feel you're zeroed in and in tune and on target, then contend for it because it's yours. And what was the key to the veil being lifted off? That was so they could see. That you'd give your heart now. The Lord is, in, uh, was the verse before in verse um, 15. So until now, whether the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns, it's verse 16, I'm sorry. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. This is a huge thing. To have the veil lifted. When we turn our hearts to him, like how can you get the veil to lift. What's the formula? Can you buy that? Can you earn that? Can you deserve that? No. And so even at any given time, when you feel like, man, I'm not getting this, because Ephesians is very emphatic uh, as the apostle prays for us, the believers then and now to us, that a spirit of revelation would be on us. Why? Because that's the only way you can see and get this. You must see, and it has to be, it's not uh, learned in the sense that you go to school and get it. It's learned, in the, it's, it's in the sense of receiving revelation. So everything that we believe is by revelation. If you're having trouble seeing, turn your heart back to the Lord. Just redo what you did. And that can, and this was what started this whole message, was this sense, this feeling, I get to these places where, I can't see. I'm not discerning. I'm not. I'm reading, but it's, but it's blank, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not seeing the light. And so, what's what is the key? Just this simple thing. Just turn your heart back to the Lord. Lord, I'm not. I want to see. I want to pour my heart out to you. I want to give that. That is the key. And when you draw near, He draws near to you. You draw near to Him. That's drawing near. That's your part. Just get close. Get close. And his response to that is he will take you in. He will pick you up. He will open your eyes. You will be able to see. And I realized then, and, um, <clears throat> and, and let me, before I move off this chapter, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. So this subject has been coming up as I have conversations with people. And well-meaning pe people that are striving and trying and in conflict sometimes about what's the right, what's the wrong, how much, how, how little. To give to people, to get into situations. It's kind of a, a big blanket question, but it comes up a lot. 
because they have a scripture that says to do this, then we have another scripture that's here. And a while, a good while back, I, I realized, and it, this is a growing revelation, about the lordship of Jesus. It's in our songs. It was in the first song. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And what is, what's the key to that? Making Jesus Lord. That's the key. And it's the slavery. What's freedom about? Just getting to do what you want? No. True freedom is about being free from what hinders you from being completely with the Lord. A big old guy with a big old beard riding a big old Harley Davidson that has freedom written across his, his black jacket on the back may be free and he may not be free, <laughs> right? Just because he's free from the wife and the kids and all responsibility and r- rolling down the highway, does that make him free? No, he's just a man on a ride, right? He may not be free from anything actually. You may just feel it. Well, we all have our ways of manifesting that and fleshing that out. But true freedom is the freedom to follow Christ. True freedom is not being a slave to anything except this bond slave, a bond servant to the Lord Jesus, which is what Paul said. I'm caught. I'm trapped. I couldn't quit doing this if, if if I wanted to. You can threaten to kill me. I can't quit. Go ahead, throw another stone. Uh, they did it the last city. I can't quit saying this. I can't quit, quit serving the church. I can't, it's like, it's stupid. You're losing everything. I'll lose everything to gain Christ. That's, that's the thing. That's true freedom. So freedom is freedom from sin, freedom from whatever, addictions, freedom from those kind of things. It, it is also freedom from People, the fear of man, that's a huge one. Again, in the words of the song, to release this, this fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. You start, you start catering to fear in your life, you, it won't take long and you'll be in big, big, big trouble. Because, what, because once you cower to it once, pretty soon you're not doing anything because of fear or you're doing many things because of fear. How many, uh, how many times do we make bad mistakes financially because we didn't recognize fear? <clears throat> better do this now, da-da-da, something will happen. Better, you know, better this, better that. And, and instead of being led by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit is actually an exercise for the mature. Because the enemy of that, one of the greatest enemies of being led by the Spirit is your flesh, and you have to discern what is your flesh? Sometimes we like to think, I feel like doing that. It must be the spirit. That's wonderful. If that's sometimes it is, you do, it is, you do feel that. But sometimes what you discern in the spirit, you're like, oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. You, you can hear yourself. You start put up the defenses and the reasons that you can't, the reasons that you shouldn't. You know, you're down, you're down the bunny trail. And, and the Holy Spirit's just standing there watching. Hmm. Interesting. Sometimes you'll get way off in left field. It's like somebody turned the headset off and you can't hear anymore. 
no sound, no whatever, and you realize, uh, well, I do it all the time. I'll be on my phone, I'll have my headset on, and I, what do I do? I walk away from my phone. I haven't hung up, even the person on the other end. They have, we're still connected, but I can't hear them or they can't hear me. I'm like, oh, I'm in the garage, I walked away from my phone. Hang on, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you? Yeah. Oh, there you are. You get distance from the Lord when you don't do the last thing he told you. True? Just, just ignore something. And you find yourself not clicking. <laughs> and you ask yourself the question, what did I do? And one good exercise is, well, what was the last thing he told me to do? And did I do it? If you have the courage to do that. Sometimes it takes a lot before we even ask the question. The Lordship of Jesus and making him Lord frees you from sin, it frees you from self, and it keeps you free from people. Because very quickly there's always a voice and you feel the disapproval of people. And if that's a big thing in your life, and actually it's a bigger thing than most of us want to admit, you lose the approval of the people around you. You lose the, the approval of friends or, or of a, you know, a bigger and a bigger landscape. And you must discern, am I still walking with the Lord? Am I still good with him? Or, or, or is the thing I feel... I've just, somebody's unhappy with me and what I've done or what I'm doing. And uh, have somebody, you'll experience this as soon as someone criticizes something you do, something you believe in, some activity you're in that you felt fine about five minutes ago. And then they go, hey, I think that's wrong. And you go, oh, oh, I, and, and it throws you off. And that's okay, that's natural. And you do need to check. It's like, okay, why am I doing this? Is it okay? Have I checked it out? Have I, you know, have I weighed things out? So in Galatians, and it's part of this message. Let me read there. Um, it was the same principle. They start out well in the spirit. And Paul says some really strong words to them. Who bewitched you in the King, New King James, James Version? What, what happened to you? Now, here's what we need to understand. The Galatians, I don't think they knew they were off track. You know, sometimes you're lost and some like, what happened to you? Oh, I lost my way. But he comes to them and says, who bewitched you? You're off track. And they're like, huh? We're doing really great. We're keeping all the rules. Look, we're doing better and better. We kept us. We did this. We do that. And he's like, you're putting your faith in that. It's wrong. You didn't start out this way. You didn't get the gifts of God. You didn't get the spirit of God by doing things right. You, it, this is really important for us to always, and we have to keep revisiting this. And I had mentioned before, all of a sudden you realize, i, I got to get my faith up. I'll even make statements from up here. We've got we to get our faith stronger. We've got to build our faith. Be careful how you go about that because you can fall right into legalism trying to do that trying to follow somebody. Read the latest, greatest book, and there are a lot of latest, greatest books. It's not a criticism of that. It's just be careful how you walk in this. Because at the end of the day, you have to know. You're the one that has to know. You have to know a yes, have a yes in your spirit or a no in your spirit about what you're doing, how you're doing it, 
And while don't we know in the Christ, even in our Christian life, there's a lot of there's a lot of territory out there about what's right and wrong and how you should do it and how, how you should handle your money. Just throw that out among friends. That's as controversial as who do you want as your president, you know? Like, like ah, I think we should spend. I think we should save. Two people get married. <laughs> what's one of the main conflicts? How you handle your money. Because, boy, it shows stuff up, doesn't it? All of a sudden you go, oh, well, in my family, here's how we did it. It's like, yeah, well, in my family, that's not how we did it. And so every couple has to work that out. They have to come, come together as one. Maybe some compromising, maybe some, you know. But you've got to work it out. You've got to come, okay, okay, what's the truth? How should we spend our money? What's the truth? How should we deal with relationships? What's the truth? How should we do this? So in Galatians, he says, so... In verse 2, he says, answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping all the Jewish laws? No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? You started out here and you were running well and then you changed up. You changed your mode of operation. And what you felt made you a better person, what you felt changed you, and now you're, you're doing this stuff. Stay in the Spirit, stay in faith, stay in grace. And now to chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. Occasionally, I, I go to this passage. It's Paul, and um, <clears throat> he begins, and you can imagine he's a leader. There's questions. Why, why are you in charge, you know? How's, why should we follow you and not someone else? So he begins... In, verse, in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, So then you must perceive us not as leaders of factions, but as servants of the anointed one, those who have been entrusted with God's mysteries. The most important quality of one entrusted with such secrets is that they are faithful and trustworthy. But personally, I'm not the least bit concerned if I'm judged by you or any verdict I receive from any human court. In fact, I don't even assume to be my own judge, even though my conscience is clear, but that doesn't mean I stand acquitted before the Lord, for the only judge I care about is him. Wow. Do you live that way? The person I'm really concerned about pleasing on a day-to-day -day basis is the Lord. Now, there's always room for accountability. You need to surround your yourself with people that have wisdom that can give you good counsel. But at the end of the day, your practice needs to be that it's, it's the Lord you're accountable to and that you, you weigh everything by the peace of Christ in your life, in your heart. And the day you start trying to please everyone and rise to everyone's standard, you're, you're in trouble. And this can have to do, it, it can show up at any given moment 
and it can be over any particular issue. Someone can uh, say to you, hey, there's a YouTube video about why it's wrong that you do this, that, or the other thing. Whether it's Bible translations or how you're, whether you should do Passover or not Passover. I mean, all of these subjects, they all can stir up things. I've seen good groups of Christians fall totally apart over baptism and communion. No, we should do it this way. No, we shouldn't do it that way. I'll tell you what, so we can get along, let's not do it at all. That's brilliant. So you find as hard as you try to please everyone and to be in this great place, there's no guarantees. And at any given time, someone can come along and challenge why you're doing what you're doing. And especially in these areas that are not black and white, um, that are, uh, have to do with your revelation at this point, so if someone comes and says, hey, there's, you know, there's a YouTube video here about why that's wrong. What's wrong? It's like, here's, here's how I want to answer that. Actually, there's a YouTube video out against every teacher that I listen to. There's a YouTube video against, out against every prophet that I listen to. Every Bible translation that I read, all of them, including the King James. There are people I came out of, you only use the King James version or you're going to burn and go to hell. I mean, it was like really adamant, like no exceptions at all. And then, then in time, I start hearing things about the King James version and, and different things that are translated. It's like, I want to say, it's like they're taking words out of the Bible. I'm like, every translator that you don't, you're not, you're not reading the word, you're not reading the original. You're reading something, unless you're talking about the Hebrew and the Greek, you're not reading the direct translation, which there's a lot that goes into that. We have to come to a place where we trust who they are. I like to get to know who's translating and why they're translating, what their, what their presupposition is. You go, well, what's that? We all have presuppositions. We begin somewhere believing something. Whether we want to admit that or not, you start somewhere. And from that presupposition, you look at things and you, you weigh it against your presupposition. Now, sometimes that can change in the course of time and the spirit working. I've had a lot of things that have changed. Change is possible and change is appropriate when it's the spirit that brings it. But if it's over the fear of man... Again, this goes back to our freedom. It's for freedom's sake that Christ set you free. And the only way to stay free is to come under the lordship of Jesus. It's the only safe harbor. Become a servant of his because he's the only one that's totally fair, totally just. And everyone else, everything else that you try to come up to and make that your, like, it, it will fail. It will bring you to conflict. So our premise initially is, what will, what will Jesus ask me when I see him? I went through that book about heaven. What questions will he ask? Number one, he'll ask, did you love? Not what, you know, who you followed. 
or what Bible teacher you listen to? Did you love? And you don't get to have any excuses. Well, I, no, I didn't love them because I dis- we disagreed. I didn't love them because they hurt me. I didn't, you know, you don't get to do that. And it's, as you read those, as I read out those, um, go through the book, it's wonderful. And as I read the examples of the NDE's ears, you know, the near-death experiencers, when they're having a life review, guess who else is there? Nobody. Just you and Jesus and maybe some angels that are holding big books. Well, um, we've got the facts right here. <laughs> We're reading out of the books. Everything's written in the books. Oh, no, 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 not in more books. I was hoping to leave the planet and get away from books. It's all, it's, it's all recorded here. Who's the only between, this is only between you and Jesus. And in that, I love the testimonies that were read in the book. Like, it's surrounded by grace. Even the most horrible things of your life that, that come up that, that you see. There's a grace of forgiveness. Of course, a lot of these people had a lot of unrepented sin in their lives. Like, many of them, if they didn't have that experience, they probably would not have found the Lord. So, you also have to realize many of them did not know Jesus. Some did. Some, some were not there yet. I mean, they were just by the skin of their teeth that they got a second chance. It was good. Like some mama was praying hard for them. That often was the case. Did you love? And then second, if there's a list of questions, did you follow me? Or did you do what pleased the people around you? This is tough because we'd like to think that the people that are close to us will never be the people we're in conflict with. But reality is, shows up in your marriage, right? Shows up in the family, shows up in the church. And we have to, and we have navigated through a lot of those things, haven't we? It's how we've made it. We're still here because we navigated through those things. We weighed them out. We bear our souls. We, we repent. We, come, we bring it before the Lord. Like, what, Lord, what's right about this? What's wrong about that? Sometimes it takes years to work out. Do you know that's okay as long as the Spirit's in it? And doing things quick, the quick, you know, the car wash, washes your car, whether it's dirty or clean, washes your car, whether it's, you know, you just drive through. But the process of redemption and changing things and working out such, there's no car wash for it. There's no, there's no thing you can just drive through and come out on the other side fine. It takes time, and, and, and because these things are so deep-rooted in us, we have, we have to work out our salvation. We have to work out the offenses. We have to work out the conflicts. And, and it can get very intense. Domestic violence, you know, in, among believers. It's like it can really escalate quickly. Even in world wars, it showed, you know, when you have religious factions fighting each other, look at the, the intensity of that when there's disagreement without the Lord helping you. So Paul says this, he makes this statement. He, he stays in a good place, like I'm a leader, but there's no manipulation. And, and here's the thing that I, I always guard over in my heart 
Did, have I done it well? I don't know. I'll find out when I see him. But it's so easy to become that person that has an opinion about somebody else that you care about always, you know, how they should do something and what they should do. And I, my influencers don't show up on, on judgment day or on my life review or whatever that is going to entail. Now, God may judge, like if I cause a little one to stumble, I've got to guarantee a promise from the scripture, I, I am in trouble. Yeah? So, I'm aware of that. And how often have I caused a lot of conflict in someone just because I was careless with my opinion? And didn't realize, this is for me, but I, I don't know if that's for them. I, ha I have to keep that door open so that I'm not manipulating anyone because manipulation is always witchcraft. I don't care whether it's in the name of Jesus or not. We never want to manipulate or coerce people. And Jesus, because here, Jesus is Lord and he doesn't do that. He doesn't use manipulation. You're always from day one Today, end of times, he always allows you to choose. That's sometimes I'm like, stop giving me the choice. Make me obey you. Make me walk in your ways. Interrupt my life like in big time, like totally, so I can't screw this up anymore. He usually doesn't answer those prayers, you know. No, I'm going to give you another chance. Oh. I'm give you another opportunity to get it right. Repent from this one, and let's, let's see. Let's see what you learn when the next situation comes up. Back to what I'm talking about. The lordship of Jesus deals with all that. Do you understand? Making him lord, following him truly, and then every, weighing everything up against his, does it give him pleasure? It is, is it for loving him? This will keep you free, truly free. And you may have a lot of people that are on your Facebook page, and you may not have a lot of people on your Facebook page. We, that, we've got to be okay, and I'm talking about the concept of that. It's a perfect illustration, isn't it? Or we get to vote whether we like you or not. Like you, like thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know. They still use that. It's kind of a generic icon, isn't it? <laughs> How many of these do you have? Oh, uh, I see you got more of these than you do of these. And, and then we, we use that. And we only want to see one thumb, and that's the thumb of Jesus. <laughs> Does this please me? Does it please him? And you look and you learn. You learn to be able to see and look for his pleasure. And if you're not sure, just wait for a little while. Commit your way to the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm in this and I, I don't know how. How do you want me to deal with this? How do you want me to respond? Is it okay what I'm doing? Or so I said, you can't just, if you start that, if you start jumping every time someone thinks you should jump, do you understand how 
miserable you're going to be, because it doesn't end. There'll always be another thing. It's like giving into fear. You start giving into fear, pretty soon you won't, you won't do anything. I'm not going to do that as too much risk. It's like you need to keep coming back. Is this the will of the Lord or not? I, I said this to Phyllis. It's like as they're making this decision to go, and she's like, oh, wow, like traveling by air is not, of course, we just went on a trip, but it's not the most comforting thought to fly right now for many reasons. And I said, Phyllis, here's our trump card. Here's, here's, the, here's the ace we always hold. <clears throat> you identify whether something, you feel something's the will of God for you. Lord, is this the right thing to do? Is this what I should? And once you get to that point that you know, because you got to know, I can't know for you. I try to help people, I try to help know for people all the time, but that doesn't, doesn't it doesn't work. Number one, it's illegal for me to do that. Number two, it's no good for you because you've got to know. You've got to come to this conclusion. This is, this is as far as I know, between me and Jesus, this is what I'm supposed to do or what I'm not supposed to do. And you walk. And I have to give you the freedom, Jesus does, to make your choices and come up with your conclusions. Do you realize how much drama we'd be, also be spared from if we could just allow that? If you have counsel to give, give it, but give it freely. No strings attached, no threats attached. If you've learned something, speak it, especially if someone asks you, then you can speak more. But often we're, we decide what's right and then we start to impose. It's really tricky business, but come back to this, this precept. Jesus doesn't control you. He leads. You, if you choose him to be Lord, then you're following him. You perceive where he's going, and you follow after that. When you have a, I, I've, I've said this about a lot of decisions. I've come to, uh, it's, it's challenging. It's not easy. Decisions that, that I make even as a leader. I've come to this that I'll say yes to what I have a yes in my spirit about, and often I have a, Real question, but the pressure starts. Like, oh, I don't want to reject somebody. I don't want to look like this or look like that. See, you're in trouble. As soon as that, that, converse, that self-conversation starts, you're already headed down the wrong. You're in trouble already. It really needs to be about, I need to know, Lord, from you what is right. Here's, and, and take some time with it. And don't succumb. Sometimes there's wise counsel. Someone that you're close to, your husband, your wife, your whatever, your friends, your, you know, the group you're accountable to, they'll be like, oh, we don't feel this. And so based on how much you trust each other, you, that all has to be worked out. But that counsel is never given in a manipulative way, either in either direction. It's given freely, right? That's what Paul's saying. I'm an apostle. <laughs> I have this position, but... I don't hoard it over you. I don't lord it over you. I lead. You either see me as a leader, you either see me as an apostle, or you don't. doesn't matter to me. And if you decide you don't like what I'm teaching, you can move along. That's a great. And, and so I'll share that with people. Oh, if you're uncomfortable with this, then don't listen to this person. 
Don't follow this person. Don't whatever. But as for me, here's how I'm walking. Here's who I'm connected to. Who here is who I love and I have learned to trust in the ministry. In this realm of reading and teaching and leaders and all that thing. What church to belong to, etc. Like, oh, the church has got problems. Amen. <laughs> it's confessed every Sunday, you know. It's a church led by people, with people in it. It's not about finding the perfect church. It's about finding where you're supposed to be. You can have problems as long as you know this is where I'm planted. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where my relationships are. That applies to marriages. That applies to friendships, relationships. And how beautiful of a thing it is when you find a person that is able to accept some imperfections when in relationships and identify what doesn't work and what does work, but to stay in a place where it's okay. We don't have to agree with everything, but we're still friends. That, that's amazing. Where you, can, you have some leeway. And again, this is, this is between you and the Lord. There are some people the Lord's going to be like, break fellowship with them. That's valid. Then there's some other people that are characters, but the Lord's like, I want you to be their friend. You may have a neighbor that's a total heathen, but it may be really important that you're their, their friend. You may be the only friend they have. You may be the only person willing to pray for them. So you can keep bad company as long as they're not the influencers, okay? I mean, that, it comes down to that. If you work too hard at separating yourself in this world, yeah. And churches and ministries have tried that. And pretty soon, they're off. They become exclusive to themselves. And man, other issues show up, don't they? We're like, oh, we all just could live in a little perfect community. Don't think about it. I even know the scripture you're going to use. Beware. Be careful. There are, there are challenges to that. But I love this thing, this revelation. Jesus is Lord. And if you want to be free and stay free in all of your relationships, especially the close ones, let him be Lord. In this, you take your problems to him. Lord, I'm not doing well with my wife. Give me wisdom. When I pray that simple prayer over all these years, I get answers. Boy, he answers that. I get help when I just simply ask. But if I stay bothered and talk to people that can't really help the situation, it, it deepens. Same with relationships, same with anything. The job you're in, all of it. Bring it before the Lord. Make sure you've talked to him first. Make sure you've thrown that out first. What is right or wrong about it, that's going be, to become about what, where you feel you're supposed to be and not. You can be in a horrible situation as long as you know Jesus is in the fire with you, fourth man in the fire. As long as you know he's in the fire with you, you'll, you'll be like, nope, I've got the grace to stay here. I know it's, it's a difficult situation, but it's where I'm supposed to be. And then it can become the most joyous place because 
You have peace about being there. You can be in a perfect place and be miserable. The world's full of them. They have all the money they could even dream of. They're miserable. They live in the right state or they live in the right country. Or they live on the right beach. They live, you know, all of those things can be the things we dream about. It's like, yeah, but the real dream is to be right in the center of God's will. I always feel this if we go out to different ministries, we go on a, to a conference, we go here. It's wonderful. It's like, oh, this is, it's wonderful for about five days. And then it's like, okay, time to get back to my purpose. I, I always feel that. Like, wouldn't it be great to live here? Only if I was called, but I'm not. And so it's beautiful. It's refreshing. Uh, it's time to go home. Let's go home. Let's get, I got to get back to where I'm, where, I'm supposed to, where I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to function. Right? So the lordship of Jesus is the only place of true freedom. It's the only place of true happiness. It's the only place of true liberty. It keeps you free from everything. Because he's the only one worthy of your absolute surrender. He's the only one. And even in that will not manipulate you. You will always have a choice. It'll always be an invitation. Follow me. He never gets behind you with the, with the whip or the cattle prod and pushes you through. Sometimes we feel like that. There might be occasions where he gives you a nudge. You know, you fall off the edge, whatever. Maybe. But for the most part, it's, it's choice. Choose that. It keeps you in liberty. keeps you at freedom. And then, like Paul, you go, hey, man, I don't even judge myself. I do what I do. I live according to my conscience. It doesn't matter if you like me or you don't like me. I've already worked all that out, and I'm only concerned about one person being happy with me. That's Jesus. And our day is coming. I'm working hard. I'm very conscious of it, so I'm careful. I'm living with some carefulness about how I manage things, how I lead, how I influence people, because I'm going to have to give account to somebody that I'll have no excuses, no one to blame on. Just me and him and the truth. Wow. But he's merciful. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives and leading us and guiding us. And Lord, thank you for your lordship. I thank you for making us free, delivering us from the powers of sin, the slavery, the fear of man, all of that. You're the only one that offers true freedom in exchange we give you our hearts and our minds, but it's the best happiness we could have. It's the true thing that satisfies, and it's eternal. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for calling us, for choosing us. We just ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Great meeting today, everybody. Good, good body ministry stuff going on. Loved it. So, it's good. walk and he shared with me a common theme that the speakers had and it was about being in union with fellow believers the importance of surrounding yourself 
with like-minded people who believed in Christ and who believed in his healing power. And so we were texting back and forth, and he said, to sum it up, we are better together. And it struck a chord with me because my company has been going through a merger. Home Depot bought us, and they're merging us, and the marketing departments came up with a, a big marketing ad campaign that says, better together. And they had just sent us these pins. It was in my desk, and uh, pins that said, better together. And so I believe that's the message for us today. And you saw it here, what you just witnessed, that we are better together. When you look at the word communion, I always see the root word commune, which means to share. But in the back end of that word, within the word communion, is the word union. And I think the Lord wants you to know that you're to be in union with him, but you're to be in union with other believers as well. First Corinthians 10, 17, it says, there is one loaf, and though we are many, we are one body because we share the one loaf. The scriptures, the scriptures are, say over and over that you're to be in union with Jesus and with other believers. The things that you share in your, in your union with Christ, we share with one another. We love, we lift one another up, we encourage. What we did here this morning is what Jesus wants you to do. And what you're about to do when you take communion, when you take the bread and the cup, we all share the two most important things that there are. That's the forgiveness of our sins and the salvations of our, of our souls. Let's enjoy that together right now.